This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. Good morning, I'm John Trout. It's Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. Voters head to the polls in Michigan. We need you to get out and vote. I'm Clayton Neville. The Supreme Court hears a landmark case on the First Amendment and social media. This is so, so broad. I'm John Stolness in Washington. The southern border will get dueling visits from President Biden and Donald Trump this week. Sagar Magani, Washington. A 4.9 magnitude earthquake struck north of Boise, Idaho. I'm Lisa Dwyer. Stocks open this morning after a little breather yesterday from record highs, and earnings come today from Macy's. I'm Jessica Ettinger. Donald Trump challenging the New York judge's finding he lied about his wealth to get favorable loans. Julie Walker, New York. All ahead on America in the Morning. Voters in the Wolverine State head to the polls today in the Michigan primary. And there's plenty at stake, not just for Nikki Haley in her battle against Donald Trump, but for President Biden as well. Correspondent Clayton Neville sets the stage. Voters in Michigan who haven't voted early or haven't cast a ballot by mail are headed to the polls today to vote in the presidential primary. We need you to get out and vote to set the stage for November. Go vote. Former President Donald Trump, the Republican frontrunner and coming off a big victory over candidate Nikki Haley over the weekend in South Carolina. We're going to win a monumental victory in the Michigan Republican primary. Haley's been campaigning in Michigan ahead of the primary and seemingly hasn't slowed down since the loss in her home state. We'll keep fighting for America and we won't rest until America wins. She's ramping up the rhetoric surrounding her opponent's ages, Biden over 80 years old and Trump close to it. Do you think it's in Michigan, the primary results will determine 16 of the state's 55 RNC delegates. The other 39 will be delegated at a state party convention on Saturday. For Democrats, it's pretty straightforward. 117 delegates up for grabs. It's a state Biden won in 2020, but the president getting pushback from residents who voted for him then, at least some of them. The group listened to Michigan, ramping up the pressure, calling for an end to America's support for Israel. It's also demanding a ceasefire in Gaza and threatening its support for the president this election year. I'm Clayton Neville. How free should free speech be on the Internet? That was at the center of a case brought by the states of Florida and Texas before the Supreme Court. John Stolness has the story from Washington. The justices appeared torn during oral arguments about whether the lawsuit brought by the two states that forbid social media companies to ban content or users from their platforms violated free speech First Amendment rights. Florida Solicitor General Henry Whitaker says his state's law simply attempts to provide a level playing field for everyone who uses social media. The consistency provision, which is really the heart of our law, just says to the the platforms, apply your content moderation policies consistently. 
Critics argue a pro-Nazi user should not be allowed access to the same platform as a regular internet user. Chris Marchese, arguing on behalf of the tech companies, says the states are trying to stifle his clients' free speech. The government cannot violate the First Amendment, and it especially cannot do so in the name of preserving free speech. That is Orwellian. At issue is whether sites like Twitter, Facebook, and others should be allowed to have the same editorial freedom as newspapers with regard to content moderation, or whether they should be free and open for everyone to access, like telecommunication companies. Justices Sonia Sotomayor and Amy Coney Bryant appeared skeptical of the state suits and wondered if there are unintended consequences to consider. This is so, so broad. It's covering almost everything. We're talking about the classic social media platforms, but it looks to me like it could cover Uber, it looks to me like it could cover just Google search engines, Amazon Web Service, and all of those things would look very different. Whitaker himself admitted they are in uncharted legal waters. That's part of the problem in this case is that we, we, we don't have a sense of, the record has not been fully developed to, to answer that question, so we're kind of litigating in the dark here. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis urged the court to uphold the law and protect the free speech of all in Florida. Whatever the, the, the court decides, you know, we're going to make sure that we're doing everything we can to, to ensure that people have a right to speak in these public forums. Uh, we want more speech, not less speech. The laws were enacted in the wake of Twitter banning Donald Trump while he was in office. They argue social media unfairly censors conservative viewpoints. The court is expected to make a ruling in June. John Stolnes, Washington. Trump and Biden set to visit the southern border when America in the Morning continues after these messages. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. On the likelihood of any severe weather developing today, here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. We are looking at a significant clashing of the atmosphere moving through the central U.S. today. A powerful storm and associated cold front will be moving eastward through the Great Lakes into the central and southern plains. As this colder air moves through these areas, there will be some snow developing from the central Rockies into the plains from Nebraska into the eastern Dakotas, and then continuing into Minnesota. There can be several inches of snow in the plains, but as much as a foot of snow in the Colorado Rockies. 
Ahead of this front, it'll be very warm and even a little humid. This will cause a few showers and thunderstorms throughout the day from Indiana and Michigan, and then continuing into West Virginia and Western Pennsylvania. A few showers will continue eastward into the Mid-Atlantic and Southern New England this afternoon. Then later today and tonight, as this powerful cold front approaches, there will be an increasing threat for severe thunderstorms from eastern Illinois into Indiana, northern Kentucky, Ohio, and southern Michigan. These storms have the potential for heavy rain, gusty winds, and even a tornado or two. Snow will continue to form tonight behind this front from eastern Iowa into Wisconsin with another inch or two. Outside of the rain, the warmth preceding this front will be significant and widespread from Texas into southeast Kansas, eastward through much of the Great Lakes and Middle Atlantic into the northeast. Most areas will be 15 to 25 degrees above their historical average and some places even close to 30 degrees. This is not expected to last as the same front will bring sharply colder weather into the plains, into Montana and the Dakotas. That's the weather across America. It'll be a very warm day in Wichita, Kansas, with plenty of sunshine and high of 80. In contrast, Great Falls, Montana will be mostly cloudy and very cold with high of 17. That's the nation's weather. I'm MaggieWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. Remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. The southern border in Texas will get dueling visits from President Biden and former President Trump later this week. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports. Right. And we have said over and over again, this is a system that has been broken for decades under the last administration, as you know, which was a Republican administration and other administrations before that. The southern border will get dueling visits from President Biden and Donald Trump this week. The White House says the president will visit Brownsville, Texas Thursday, while sources tell the AP Trump will be about 325 miles away in Eagle Pass. The trips underscore immigration's key role in the upcoming election. Both the president and his predecessor are trying to use the broken immigration system to their advantage. We worked with Republican senators and also Democrats in the Senate to try to come up with a fair and tough uh, piece of legislation that would deal with border security. That was, let's not forget, endorsed by the Border Union Patrol. And that's how seriously the president has taken it. We've done this for months and House Republicans have gotten in the way. The speaker has gotten in the way. Biden spokeswoman Corrine Jean-Pierre says the president will meet with Border Patrol agents and make the case again for a bipartisan bill to address illegal immigration weeks after Trump's opposition to a Senate proposal led to its collapse. He's going to hear directly from the Border Patrol agents. He's going to see for himself uh, to see what they've been doing on the ground. Remember, these these Border Patrol agents have been doing everything that they can uh, to secure the border to, with the resources that they have. They they need more. They need more. Sagar Megani, Washington. Idaho got a bit of a shake yesterday morning. Lisa Dwyer explains. A 4.9 magnitude earthquake struck north of Boise, Idaho, but apparently did not cause major damage or injuries. Two smaller earthquakes were also felt with magnitudes of 2.7 and 2.8. The Idaho statesman says that the larger earthquake is the largest in Idaho since a magnitude 6.5 quake occurred in March 2020. The quake was felt in Idaho and into eastern Oregon. I'm Lisa Dwyer. 
When America in the Morning continues, an update on housing industry numbers and J.P. Morgan CEO cautions investors after these messages. This is America in the Morning. Look out, Ferrari. The Chinese are coming. Tesla's Asian rival EV automaker BYD is branding it their new supercar, an electric vehicle that reached top speeds of 192 miles per hour. And like the EV version of the Ferrari, it can reach 0 to 60 in just two and a half seconds. It's called the U9 and it's designed to take on their Italian counterpart. It also comes with a Ferrari-like price tag with the base price of the U9 starting at just over $233,000 and could soon find its way to Europe as China and Hungary are in talks to open up a production facility about 100 miles south of Budapest. Back in the U.S., stocks. CNBC's Jessica Ettinger has Tuesday business. Wall Street opens this morning after markets took a breather from all-time highs. Modest losses for the averages, but plenty of companies' shares hit record highs to start the week, including Hilton, TJ Maxx and Marshall's parent TJX companies, Costco, Marathon Petroleum, Berkshire Hathaway B, and Ulta Beauty. But the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, Jamie Dimon, told CNBC exclusively he's still being cautious of the markets and the economy. 70 or 80% chance we'll have a soft landing. I give it half that. We may very well have one, but I think there's also a higher chance in the market things of rates being a little bit higher. The other thing I think it's always a mistake to do is look at just the year. All these factors we talk about, QT, fiscal spending, deficits, the geopolitics, those things may play out over multiple years. But they will play out and they will have an effect. And we just don't know what they are. So I'm just... You know, in my mind, I'm kind of kind of cautious about everything. J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon on CNBC. Bitcoin resumed its rally, ripping through $54,000 for the first time since December of 2021. The Federal Trade Commission sued to block Kroger from buying Albertsons, saying it means higher prices for grocery shoppers. Both are pure play supermarket chains. They're trying to compete with America's biggest grocer, which is Walmart. Meantime, JetBlue Airways and Spirit Airlines are still trying. They're urging a U.S. appeals court to overturn the ruling blocking their merger. Travel company Expedia reportedly cutting about 1,500 jobs this year. Well, we have an update on some housing numbers from last month. How's that sector looking? You know, not as well as expected. Existing home prices are so high and there's so little out there that's affordable. A lot of would-be home buyers have been heading for new construction. Sales in January were up, but not as much as forecast. Sales rose just over 1.5% from December, but December sales were revised down significantly. These numbers are based on signed contracts. That's folks out shopping in January when mortgage rates were in the high 6% range. They didn't move much. That's down off that recent peak of 8% in October, but still not enough to really juice sales. Builders are buying down the interest rates. The price of a newly built home in January came in at $420,700. That's down 2.6% year over year. CNBC's Diana Olick. On today's watch list, we get durable goods orders. Those are things made to last a long time, like washing machines and planes. And that mega millions jackpot keeps growing tonight. It's well above a half billion dollars. Lump sum, please. Thank you. CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. When we return on America in the Morning, Trump appeals multi-million dollar fine after these messages. 
Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. Attorneys for Donald Trump filed notice appealing the $454 million judgment in his New York civil fraud case. Correspondent Julie Walker is following details. His lawyers filing the notice of appeal to overturn the ruling in the state attorney general's case against him, something the Republican frontrunner for president has been using as he continues to campaign for his party's nomination. The level of hatred from these judges, there's no way you get fair trials. The level of hatred from prosecutors. If Trump loses his appeal, he'll have to give up a sizable chunk of his fortune. The judge ordering him to pay $355 million in penalties with interest. That's grown to nearly $454 million. The total increasing by nearly 112000 per day until Trump pays. Julie Walker, New York. The head of the Republican National Committee announced she's stepping aside as the party ramps up for the 2024 election. Correspondent Jennifer King has the story. Under pressure from national leadership, Ronna McDaniel, chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, says she will leave her post on March 8th when the party is holding an event in Houston. McDaniel has become a target of Donald Trump as the GOP presidential frontrunner moves towards an expected nomination and asserts control over the party. Trump says his preference for chair would be for North Carolina GOP chair Michael Watley, a veteran operative focused in recent years on the prospect of voter fraud, and his daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, as committee co-chair. The RNC has a 160 member governing body that's expected to approve Trump's choices. McDaniel announced her decision in a statement Monday morning, saying she will allow the nominee to select a chair of their choosing. She was a strong advocate for the former president, but has taken blame for the 2020 loss and the party's shortcomings on races over the last two years. Jennifer King, Washington. America in the Morning for Tuesday, February 27th, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour. More fallout from the murder of a Georgia college student. I'm Clayton Neville. Debate over the cause of death of an Oklahoma teen. Jennifer King has that. A letter containing an unidentified white powder was sent to the Florida home of Donald Trump Jr. I'm Lisa Dwyer. A couple living their lifelong dream are missing, and three fugitives are in custody. I'm Katie Clark with details. Prosecutor wants Trump gag order, and passengers finally allowed off a cruise ship. We'll have those stories. A date has been set for the involuntary manslaughter trial against actor Alec Baldwin. I'm Archie Zaroleta with the latest. And a Christmas tree causes a woman to lose a court case. Back after these messages. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. Snow, rain, warm weather, and cold. It's all part of the forecast with AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. We have a powerful storm and associated cold front moving eastward through the Great Lakes into the central and southern plains. As this colder air moves into these areas, there will be some snow from the central Rockies into the plains from Nebraska into the eastern Dakotas and continuing into Minnesota, where there could be several inches of snow in the plain states, but as much as a foot of snow in the Rockies. The warmth preceding this front will be significant and widespread from Texas to southeast Kansas, eastward through much of the Great Lakes into the Middle Atlantic and Northeast. 
Most areas will be 15 to 25 degrees above their historical average, and some places even close to 30 degrees. Also ahead of this front, it will be a little humid. This will cause a few showers and thunderstorms throughout the day from Indiana and Michigan, continuing into West Virginia, western Pennsylvania, with some showers also developing in the Mid-Atlantic into southern New England this afternoon. Later today and tonight, as this powerful front moves into the Great Lakes, we'll see an increasing threat for severe weather from Illinois into Indiana, northern Kentucky, Ohio, and southern Michigan. These storms will have the potential to produce heavy rain, gusty winds, and even a tornado or two. And then sharply colder weather behind the front will build through the Dakotas into Montana, where high temperatures will struggle to get out of the single digits in some places. And as the colder air builds into these areas as well, we'll see a few snow showers in the northern Rockies into Wyoming. Along the west coast, there will be lingering showers along Southern California's coast from a weak area of low pressure, but another powerful storm will be moving onshore today and tonight in the northwest with rain and heavy snow developing. Some places in the northern Cascades will get six inches or more by Wednesday morning. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. The University of Georgia mourns the loss of a nursing student who was killed, allegedly by a man in the United States illegally. Correspondent Clayton Neville has the latest. An emotional vigil at the University of Georgia brought confusion and heartbreak to Lake and Riley's sorority sisters who remembered Lakin's life. As a sister shared that she had more drive than anyone that they knew, she was devoted to making this world a better place, and we have no doubt that she would have been an incredible nurse. It is absolutely earth-shattering to think that the world will never have that opportunity, but the impact that she made within her 22 years was enough to last a lifetime and beyond. Investigators say Riley went out for an early morning jog, and when she didn't return home, her roommate called police. The 22-year-old's body was eventually found, and 26-year-old Jose Ibarra was arrested last week and charged with malice murder, felony murder, false imprisonment, and other charges. He's not a U.S. citizen, and immigration officials say they now have a detainer on him. This president and this you know, so-called czar of the border vice president uh, did not do that. And they were hoping the American people were going to ignore this issue. And now we have a dead young woman because of it. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp spoke with Fox News and said that Riley's murder was preventable. He blamed the Biden administration for not securing the southern border. This is President Biden prepares to visit the border on Thursday. Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre. Obviously, he's going to meet with frontline folks who, who work on the ground, including Border Patrol uh, agents, hear directly from them. Biden's calling for accountability in the Georgia college student's death. Police referring to the killing as a crime of opportunity where they say the suspects saw Riley and bad things happened. I'm Clayton Neville. The death of an Oklahoma 16-year-old who identified as non-binary may lead to hate crime charges. Correspondent Jennifer King reports. Vigils were held around the country for next Benedict, non-binary teenager who died the day after they told police they were beaten by other students in a girl's bathroom at Owasso High School in Oklahoma near Tulsa. Vigils were held in Owasso, Tulsa, Boston, New York, Minneapolis, and El Paso, Texas. A lot of people are feeling really alone right now. Julie Kaur attended the Owasso vigil. Kaur is a psychologist. There's a lot of people who are, are really, really, really scared and really scared to be here in Oklahoma. Gianna Alvarez attended a vigil in Tulsa. I hope that the family can do everything in their power to get justice for next. Audio courtesy KTUL. This particular death 
has struck the world that there are vigils all over the United States. I have friends in other countries that are asking me about this. And here it is in Owasso. Benedict's family says Nix was bullied at school. They were talking about us in front of us. Mm -hmm. And so I went up there and I poured water on them. Okay. And then all three of them came at me. During a hospital interview, police told Benedict and their mother they could press charges but might also be held responsible for instigating the fight. I will absolutely do a report. If that's yes, what you want, I, want I can do Okay, but I'm just letting you know. The other party wants to do the same thing. She's going to be, uh, the assault will be on her as well. Um, because she first assaulted, she was the one who initiated it, essentially, because you got freedom of speech. You can do all this all day long. Mm -hmm. The action of physically, the moment the she threw that water, you've now assaulted somebody. You made the first jab. Just because it doesn't make it right, but they defended themselves, quote unquote. But police do not plan to comment further on the cause of death until other autopsy results are completed. I'm Jennifer King. There was a security scare for one of the sons of former President Donald Trump. Correspondent Lisa Dwyer has details. A letter containing an unidentified white powder was sent to the Florida home of Donald Trump Jr., the eldest son of GOP frontrunner Donald Trump. Trump Jr. opened the letter, which also contained a death threat. Officials on the scene reportedly do not believe the substance was deadly. It's the second time white powder has been sent to the former president's oldest son. In 2018, his then-wife Vanessa was taken to a New York City hospital after she opened an envelope addressed to her husband that contained an unidentified white powder. Police later said the substance was not dangerous. In March 2016, FBI agents investigated a threatening letter sent to the Manhattan apartment of Donald Trump's son, Eric, that also contained a white powder that turned out to be harmless. Envelopes containing white powder were also sent twice in 2016 to Trump Tower, which served as Trump's campaign headquarters. I'm Lisa Dwyer. Two Americans taking the trip of a lifetime are presumed dead in the Caribbean after vanishing from their yacht trip. As Katie Clark reports, local authorities found enough evidence to make several arrests. A couple from Virginia were living their dream of sailing the world on their yacht. They were wintering in the Caribbean and have now gone missing. Kathleen Brandel and Ralph Hendry were docked in Grenada when apparently three escapees from jail boarded their ship. The yacht was moved from Grenada to St. Vincent and the Grenadines a day later, where police took the three men into custody. They did an investigation saying that the couple's possessions were scattered all over, items were stolen, and apparently a bloody fight took place on the yacht. The couple is missing and presumed dead by being thrown overboard. Nick Burrow, Kathleen's son, speaking on NBC News. You'll never meet more beautiful people than Kathy and Ralph. I mean, everywhere they went, they made everybody feel so happy and so welcome, and they consistently made you feel like you were part of their family. The three fugitives are being held on their original counts and are expected to be be accused of murder. I'm Katie Clark. When we return on America in the Morning, witness in Hunter Biden case behind bars. Update, plus Stormy Daniels, Michael Cohen, and a Trump gag order, all after these messages. Welcome back. This is America in the Morning. 
I'm John Trout. One of the witnesses at the center of the House impeachment inquiry into President Biden and the investigation into his son Hunter will remain behind bars for now. Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports. The ex-FBI informant charged with making up a bribery scheme involving the Biden family will stay in jail while awaiting trial. Alexander Smirnov claims to have ties to Russian intelligence, and prosecutors worried he might try to flee the country if released. So a federal judge in Los Angeles has ordered Smirnov to remain behind bars. That reverses an earlier order from a different judge who had released Smirnov. The informant was taken into custody again last week. He's charged with falsely telling the FBI that executives of a Ukrainian energy company had paid President Biden and son Hunter millions each around 2015, a central claim to the GOP impeachment inquiry of the president. Sagar Magani, Washington. In New York City, prosecutors in Donald Trump's New York hush money criminal case have asked a judge to impose a gag order, which his legal team plans to fight, along with trying to stop Stormy Daniels and former Trump attorney Michael Cohen from testifying. Correspondent Shelley Adler reports. Citing what they call Donald Trump's long history of making public and inflammatory remarks about people involved in his legal cases, the Manhattan DA's office has asked for a narrowly tailored gag order ahead of next month's trial. That order would bar Trump from making or directing others to make public statements about potential witnesses and jurors, as well as statements meant to interfere with or harass the court's staff, prosecution team, or their families. These repulsive abuses of power are not just uh, an attack on me. They're really an attack on you and all Americans. It's a disgusting, it's a disgusting thing. The request did not include District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Jury selection in the case is scheduled to begin March 25th. I'm Shelley Adler. Also from New York, there was a remembrance ceremony to honor the victims on the anniversary of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. Correspondent Julie Walker reports. The Port Authority of New York and New Jersey holding a memorial mass Monday in Manhattan marking the day a van with explosives was set off in the garage of the original World Trade Center, killing six, injuring more than a thousand. Charlie Makish was the Port Authority's World Trade Center director at the time, offering a prayer of intercession. That the agents of terrorism and violence will come to see the futility of their ways and turn to the paths of peace and reconciliation. Six people were convicted. A seventh remains on the FBI's most wanted list, the bombing, a harbinger of the 9-11 terror attacks. Julie Walker, New York. Many Americans are among the 3,000 passengers finally allowed to leave a cruise ship at the African nation of Mauritius, following fears of a cholera outbreak on board. Correspondent Norman Hall has a follow-up. A U.S.-owned luxury cruise ship with more than 3,000 passengers and crew has been allowed to dock in the Indian Ocean island of Mauritius. It was quarantined offshore for a day over fears of a possible cholera outbreak on board. The Mauritius government cleared the Norwegian Don, which is owned and run by the Miami-based Norwegian Cruise Lines, to dock at the harbor in the capital, Port Louis. Health officials found no traces of cholera in tests conducted on the ship's water. Authorities blocked the ship from docking Sunday because 15 people on board were ill with vomiting and diarrhea. The government said the passengers had mild cases of the viral infection gastroenteritis. I'm Norman Hall. Big tech investment companies are betting heavily on new tech robot startups. Here's Chuck Palm with that in today's tech news. 
Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, NVIDIA, and other big technology names are investing in a robot startup group called Figure AI that develops human-like robots. Bezos has already committed $100 million through his firm Explore Investments, and Microsoft is investing $95 million, while NVIDIA and Amazon-affiliated funds are providing $50 million. Bloomberg has reported that they're raising about $675 million in funding rounds that carry a pre-money valuation of about $2 billion. Investments in AI startups have sparked after the launch of OpenAI, and investors are sensing an opportunity betting that these startups might outpace their rivals. In crypto news, BlackRock's Bitcoin exchange-traded fund records an all-time high of $1.3 billion in single-day volume. Bitcoin reached nearly 55000 today on the announcement and Ethereum at 3173 For more tech news, visit allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. This is America in the Morning. Robert Workman Sports is sponsored by Untuck It. Shop online at untuckit.com or at our 80-plus stores for the perfect-fitting untucked shirt. Untuck It. For the first time this basketball season, the Houston Cougars are number one, grabbing 53 of 62 first-place votes from the Riders and 25 of 32 from the coaches. Connecticut's six-week reign at the top ends, the Huskies falling to second in the coaches' survey, third in the AP, separated from Purdue by just a point in each. Last night, number nine North Carolina edged Miami. Senior R.J. Davis set a Smith Center record with 42 points, 21 in each half for the Tar Heels. NBA, the Knicks nipped the Pistons 113-111 on Josh Hart's layup with three seconds left. Sums up our team, sums up our city, man. We uh, we grind, we we did, we fight, we scratch, we claw, and we find a way. Jalen Brunson led New York with 35 points. Heat held off the Kings for their fourth win in a row. 28 for Bam Adebayo. Sacramento's Demontis Sabonis notched his league-leading 20th triple-double. Raptors topped the Pacers, Toronto 3-0 since the All-Star break, and the Nets ripped the Grizzlies, giving interim coach Kevin Ollie his first NBA victory. Soccer, the U.S. women lost to Mexico 2-0 to wrap up Group A play at the CONCACAF W Gold Cup. The first goals the American women have allowed in the tournament, and the first by Mexico versus the U.S. in 14 years. Both teams advanced to the quarterfinals this weekend. NHL, the Capitals doubled up the Senators 6-3, taking control with two goals in 14 seconds late in the first period. Hendricks LaPierre scored twice. Had a blast playing with uh, with these guys tonight and you know I'll take the, the couple bounces and, and the goals and I thought it was a great effort from everyone it's fun to see guys up and down the lineup contributing so um you know, I feel like there's, uh, you know, an energy right now that's special in this room, and guys are, uh, are focused, so it's great. Oilers scored twice in the third to usurp the Kings. Islanders shaded the Stars in overtime, and the Kraken nipped the Bruins in a shootout. That's Tuesday Sports. Thank you, sir. When we return on America in the Morning, trial proceeds for Alec Baldwin and how a Christmas tree was a woman's undoing after these messages. This is America in the Morning. A trial date's been set for actor Alec Baldwin for charges connected to the shooting on the set of the movie Rust. Correspondent Margie Zaraleta is following proceedings. A judge in Santa Fe, New Mexico, has called for jury selection to begin July 9th for Alec Baldwin's trial, with opening statements the next day. The trial is expected to last eight days. In 2021, Baldwin was pointing a gun at cinematographer Helena Hutchins during a rehearsal for the movie Rust when the gun went off, killing Hutchins and wounding director Joel Souza. The weapons supervisor on the movie, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, is currently on trial for involuntary manslaughter. The proceedings of that trial hold implications for Baldwin. 
He faces up to 18 months in prison if convicted. I'm Archie Zaroleta. Kevin Costner has dropped a new trailer for his upcoming epic Western series. Kevin Carr has details. Kevin Costner is looking to redefine Westerns again with his upcoming theatrical series, Horizon, an American Saga. Hi, I'm Kevin Costner and wanted to invite you to see Horizon, the American Saga trailer. Uh, something I've been thinking about for a long time. Costner debuted his trailer for the first installment of the series on Monday. You and I are standing guard in one of the last great open spaces. Four films are planned, with the first part coming to theaters on June 28th. The second part will hit just two months later on August 16th. Parts three and four have not yet begun production. There's no army of this earth that's going to stop those wagons coming. The Oscar-winning filmmaker has been working on the project for more than six years. After failing to get a single film made, he broke the story into four parts. All I'm trying to do is get as many of us as I can, as far as I can. Horizon tells a story of post-Civil War America as settlers expanded westward. It includes multiple aspects of the country's history, including tensions among settlers, their government, and the indigenous people already on the land. Haven't had much need of it yet. <laughs> In recent years, Costner has become best known for another Western saga, Yellowstone. However, the filmmaker's commitment to his Horizon project has cast doubts on his involvement in the second half of the hit TV series final season, set to debut later this year. Horizon and American Saga stars Costner, Sienna Miller, Danny Houston, and Sam Worthington. I'm Kevin Carr. A woman in Ireland lost a court case because of a Christmas tree. A 36-year-old woman had claimed that a car accident in 2017 left her with debilitating pain and unable to lift anything heavy, even forcing her to stay in bed for days due to her claims of back, neck, and spine injuries, and, as she said, unable to lift groceries or even play with the kids. She took her insurance company to court, suing for $820,000. Before the judge could rule, a picture of the woman showed up in a local newspaper, and in that photo, she was seen taking part in the annual Christmas tree toss competition, where contestants hurl their holiday tree as far as they can throw it. The good news for Kamala Grabska? She was strong enough to win the old lumberjack competition in the town of Ennis. The bad news? That picture and one showing her play wrestling with a Dalmatian dog allowed the judge to dismiss her case. No word on whether the judge mumbled under his breath, Merry Christmas, before the gavel fell. America in the Morning for Tuesday, February 27th, 2024, is produced by Jeff McKay. Senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.